0: Disappointed uh, in the decision that was made to cancel the service, Uh, believe me, it was not made without much prayer and thoughtful discussion by the leadership team. We decided to err on the side of caution and we'd rather take extraordinary care and find out we were too cautious than not take enough care and have someone get sick. And so here we are and we are grateful uh, to live in a country that has incredible health care. Uh, we're reminded of how fortunate we are every day uh, to not have to worry about basic things like good health care and medicine and vaccines, things like clean water and food and shelter, uh, an overall sense of safety that most of us have for us and our families. And so we're reminded that uh, every day there are, are people that, um, that the things that we take for granted, that they're real concerns, real worries. So maybe the anxiety we're feeling uh, we should, it should help us realize, be compassionate for people who feel like that every day. Um, let us have compassion for the families that have lost uh, loved ones. Uh, for them, there is no overreacting. Amen. Uh, we're also grateful to live in a time where technology has allowed us to be together online. Uh, perhaps in the future, Pastor Jamie and I can be holograms, um, and then maybe he can be as tall as me. I'm sorry, this stuff kind of writes itself. So. But uh, in all seriousness, let me get, begin in prayer, and then we'll have uh, some worship time, and then we'll, uh, we'll share some reflections and thoughts. Uh, so Lord, we come before you now with uncertainty. Lord, we don't know what will happen in the coming days, weeks, and months, but you do. And so Father, we have great comfort knowing that nothing is a surprise to you, that nothing is out of your control. Lord, people have asked me if there's an answer to the sickness and the wars, to the famine and the injustice in this world, to the many evils that plague humanity. And my response is a resounding yes. The answer is Jesus Christ. He came to set things right, to undo the curse of sin and death, to bring us life eternally, and abundant life here and now. And it is his na- in His name that we all pray together. Amen. Well, I want to mention as well that the uh, church app is is out. Uh, If you go in the App Store, you can download it at SCC App. Uh, And the Google Play Store should be up uh, shortly. I know some of you have asked. We got an email saying it was up, but it doesn't seem to be yet in the Google Store. So, you know, obviously if you're using an Android, you're a little behind anyway. And so, you know, I'll start that war now. But anyway, uh, if this is your home church, uh, you can give online. uh, You can give through the app. Uh, certainly if, if you're just visiting us, if you're a, a, you know, a, a guest, then please don't feel any obligation at all to, to give. Um, but um, Pastor Jamie, did you bring your tithe? I think you have your tithe this morning, right? So that's perfect, and uh, this is the good stuff too, so thank you, Pastor Jamie. Uh, sometimes laughter is the med- best medicine, right? Amen? We can have uh, fun as a family together. But now at this time, let us transition over to worship. Uh, to worship the one who, no matter what changes around us, never changes. Amen? So let us worship the Lord together in spirit and in truth. Izzy?
1: This morning I wanted
0: to bring a song of prayer.
1: Um, a song that cries out to God that he would bind us to him and his heart. In this time of uncertainty, we look to him um, as, as his word says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts His ways are higher than our ways as the heavens are from the earth. Amen.
0: It's pretty still now, but yeah.
1: What made you love a sinner this way? I will never understand. This wandering heart should have been condemned But my God so love me, amen Align my ways with your ways, Lord Please guide my every step Surround me with your holiness I want to praise you with every breath
0: Sorry for the screen.
1: Lord, help me. Bind my heart to yours and sanctify. Go up as we look to your face, but we can't believe our eyes. Our souls have been saved as our sin was erased. Hallelujah, Christ is- As the heavens are higher than the earth, your word says, so are your thoughts from mine. And when, when I'm unable to comprehend, dear God, please enlighten my eyes. Somebody said
0: you have to start it. In, As the
1: heavens in are, landscape are higher than the earth, your correctly. word you says, it? So are your ways from mine and when i'm unable to comprehend dear god please enlighten my eyes lord Never wanted to bring you disgrace on my own affair every time. I cry out for your loving embrace, and you welcome me every time. I never to bring you disgrace on my own I fail every time I cry out for your loving embrace and you welcome me every time Lord put our trust in the warning. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Spirit washed in his blood. This is my story, and this is my story, and this is my song, praising my Savior. My story, this is my song, praising my savior all the day long, and perfect submission, perfect deed. of rapture now burst on my side angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy whispers of love this is my story And this is my story. This is my song. Praising my savior all the day long. And this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Saviour all the day long, perfect submission. All is at rest. I am my Saviour, am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting the king above get that to work filled with his goodness lost in his love. Yeah. This is my story. This is my story. This is my song. Yes, Heavenly Father, we put our trust in you, Holy God. In times of uncertainty, Lord, and when there is no one else to cry out to, God, we cry out to you. You are sovereign, you are great, you are our loving Father, and we thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Well, good morning everyone, Uh, we're going to uh, try and get the camera working a little bit better, so bear with us as we sort of move the angle there, Um, having some minor technical difficulties here, but I think uh, we should have it under control. Good? All right. Well, I want to start uh, by reading a prayer uh, that a lot of us are familiar with. We're familiar with uh, the smaller version, the truncated version of the serenity prayer. And I think it's uh, incredibly applicable here this morning. And so it says this, God, give me grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed. The courage to change the things which should be changed and the wisdom to distinguish one from the other. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life. And supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Uh, You know, I think certainly we have a responsibility to do, do the things that we can do. Uh, and so uh, t- to worry, we know, is not biblical unnecessarily, but to prepare, to be diligent, to be wise is just prudent. It makes sense. And so there are things that we can do that we ought to do. That's why we're, we're not meeting together as much as we'd love to. That's why, uh, you know, you should, you know, avoid crowds and, and, and all these types of things. But there's also things that we worry about that we can't change, that we have no control over. I remember reading somewhere once that 80% of the things that we worry about never come to pass. And so this morning we're going to talk about faith over fear. We certainly want to be reasonable and precautious and thoughtful, uh, but we, we don't want to allow this sense of restlessness uh, to overwhelm us. Uh, And so, with that, I want to begin talking about uh, a a famous quote, probably his most famous quote by Augustine. And you've heard me, if you're part of this church, you've heard me repeat this again and again. But I think it's incredibly uh, poignant at this time uh, when there is a sense of of supreme restlessness. And he said this You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Uh, Certainly, that's always true. Uh, I think sometimes we have more of a a keen sense of that in the midst of things that are beyond our control or our understanding. And so at this time, we find ourselves with an overwhelming sense of restlessness, uh, of a lingering existential anxiety, of a foreboding sense that something's not quite right, not just externally, but internally. We have an inner turmoil as well. Now, I think uh, for most of our lives, we're sufficiently distracted by our worldly pursuits. Now, those aren't necessarily the wrong things. When I say worldly pursuits, certainly those could be sinful pursuits, but not necessarily. Sometimes the things that distract us are are good things, just the day-to-day grind, Uh, making a living, raising a family, trying to plan for the future. We have plans, we have things we want to do, things we want to see, and then sickness, or tragedy strikes, and we begin to reevaluate, to search for some greater meaning and purpose. I remember uh, when my father was sick with cancer, and it looked like he, he wasn't gonna make it. You know, I stopped sweating the small stuff, the, the petty day to day, the trivial things, those just, those just faded away because I knew there was something more important happening. I, I wish that that, that sense of, of what was important in life, that sense of valuing you know, each moment day by day, of treasuring the gift of life, I, I wish that that stayed the case, that that sense of making uh, the most of every moment be a priority, but it doesn't. Eventually the world sort of drowns that out and we fall back into the, to the routine again. Now of course this is nothing new from the beginning of time. We've had what C.S. Lewis likes to call an appetite for the divine. In fact, to C.S. Lewis, the most compelling argument to him for God's existence wasn't so much a logical proof as it was an inner desire. He said, we seem to be created for a longing that nothing in this world would satisfy. And so to him, it makes sense that we are created for another world. Now, I would say to you that God intends it to be that way. And so when we take things, even good things, even important things, and when we make them ultimate things, at times like these in particular, we're made keenly aware that any of those things can be lost. Loved ones, our health, our our economic resources can be gone in a flash. The fact of the matter is, the only thing that will remain is the presence of Christ. And when God is not on the throne of our hearts, we will be forever restless. I was at a, a funeral yesterday for a family member, and the pastor shared from the book of Ecclesiastes. He also shared that Helman, or Herman Melville of Moby Dick fame, but if you're from New Bedford and you don't know who Herman Melville is, you got, you got big problems, so you need to start reading. But uh, Melville said the book of Ecclesiastes was the purest and truest thing ever written. I would encourage you to read it from yourself. It probably won't even take you 20 minutes. Maybe after this live stream, there's power in the Word of God. I'm going to read some select passages and make a few comments. But the reason that it's so true is because there's this this deep longing for life to make sense in the midst of an experience that seems to suggest otherwise. And so it begins with these encouraging words in Ecclesiastes 1, verses 1-9. through Everything is meaningless. It's a great way to open a book, right? The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. This is, this is Solomon. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. I think we can all relate to that. I think we've maybe felt like that before. Like, what's the point? It seems like there's just tragedy after tragedy. Struggle after Struggle. It continues, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets, and then hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, they return again. All things are wearisome. More than one can say, the eye never has enough of seeing, nor the air its fill of hearing. What has been will be again, and what is done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. That, you know, it's just, life is just a routine, there's difficulty. At the end, it's all meaningless, it doesn't really matter. And some people see the world that way. Some translations, instead of using meaningless, use the phrase vanity, vanity, it's all vanity. What this is conveying is the idea that living with ourselves at the center of the universe is never going to satisfy. It's ultimately going to lead us to a profound despair if we follow that conclusion to its logical end. Not very encouraging, but honest nonetheless. Who's not wondered what life is all about? What's the point? It seems like it's filled with trials and struggles. He continues in verse 13. I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. And I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. I observed everything going on under the sun and really it is all meaningless like a chasing after the wind. What is wrong cannot be made right and what is missing cannot be recovered. And you must be saying, Pastor Brian, you know, we tuned in this morning to be encouraged. This is not very encouraging. Well, follow with me, if you would, the journey. Because the reality is that we need to take ourselves to the place where we profoundly consider our existence and our experience. To ask those deeper questions. To at this time pause. When we're not so distracted by everything else. When our focus is on important things like health. And and living. You see, the book wrestles with these thoughts, and then like many of us, Solomon goes and he finds meaning. And again, there's nothing new under the sun. So what he does, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna kinda truncate this for you. We don't have a lot of time here. Pastor Jamie's gonna share some thoughts. But I wanna bring some points to your attention because many of you have, have you know, said I relate to that sense of meaningless. And then what Solomon does is he tries to find meaning in things. And essentially he f- tries to find uh, I- I- uh, meaning in, in pleasure, in, in the women and wine, in relationships or chemicals, or in wisdom, in education or learning, or in work, accomplishments and wealth. And yet he soon, fi- he soon finds, like many of us do, that in all these things, satisfaction is only temporary. That in fact, once those things are gone, or once the pleasure passes, we're left with a a deeper sense of sadness or regret. A deeper longing, I would say, for God Himself. So see, the thing that is more true to us in times of uncertainty is that none of us are really in control. But when things are going well, we seem to have the illusion of control. But a virus doesn't care if you're educated or not if you're wealthy or not. D.L. Moody said this, we can stand affliction better than prosperity because in prosperity, we forget God. You see, in times of great affliction, of great trouble, when we are keenly aware of most of life being outside of our control, we can consider perhaps the One who created it all, who created us. When things are going well, we have the illusion that we have no great need. But Jesus came ultimately not to change our circumstance. Sometimes He will. Sometimes we can pray as Jesus Himself did, change the situation. But Jesus also continued when He said, But if not, Lord, your will be done. And the fact of the matter is, more often than not, God uses our circumstances to bring attention to our condition, to the great need we have for Him. Ecclesiastes 3:11 says he has made everything beautiful in its time and he has also set eternity in the human heart. He has set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. You see each of us, every human being created in God's image has the eternity set in our hearts. We're created with a longing Jesus said in John 10.10 that He came that we may have life and have it to the full. To have a real life. A life filled with meaning and purpose. Not simply a chasing after the wind, but a chasing after God Himself. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippians says this, For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I know how to live in prosperity. And in any and every circumstance, any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. So, yes, as Christians, we have concerns, but this too shall pass. And the fact of the matter is, we have Him as our source of strength. We need to be thoughtful, we need to be cautious. But we need not be fearful. Paul continues and says this, Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You see, particularly as Christians, we're called to share our struggles with one another. To support each other. Some of you saw the post I made on Facebook. But now we have a time to step up. To encourage. To have a little bit of patience and grace with people who may see things differently than you. A balanced approach in all things is best not to overreact or underreact. Like the serenity prayer says, to know the things we can change, the things we can do, and to trust God with the things we can't. Paul's writing his letter to encourage people, and he's writing it from jail facing death. Because when your hope is in Christ, yes you suffer, but you suffer differently. You suffer with an eternal perspective, and you always seek to encourage. And so here's how the book of Ecclesiastes ends. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. This man who saw this meaninglessness, this this tragedy in life, and then went on his own paths as we all do to try to find fulfillment in everything, ultimately came to the conclusion, fear God. And this is not just... There is an awesome sense of reverence, but it's not just fear and be afraid of. It's, it's more of a, of a reverence, of an awe, which includes a, a healthy fear of God. In fact, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This means that we have a choice, particularly now. We can live with ourselves as the center of the universe, or we can admit that God is God and allow Him to be Lord of our lives. Keeping His commands is bigger than just a list of do's and don'ts. It means build your entire life upon God's teachings, upon the person of Christ, the pattern, the way He lived. Jesus invites us into His way of living. Now I'm a parent. And I want what's best for my kids. I don't want them to miss out on anything good. And sometimes I, I make rules, or I, or I, you know, they're getting older now. They have to make their own choices. But when they were younger, in particular, I set parameters not to hurt them, but because I knew what's best, even when they didn't. And I'm an imperfect parent, but God is not. God has an even more perfect plan for each one of us. And so perhaps now, in the midst of uncertainty in your life, will you surrender to Him that which you have no control over anyway? Maybe for the first time. Or maybe you need to surrender once again. Uh, A pastor friend of mine shared this. Pastor Tony Palau shared this. He said, Fear and faith have the same definition. Fear is believing what hasn't happened will come true. In the worst sense. And faith is believing what hasn't happened will come true in the best sense. The one gift that God gives us is what He also asks that we give back to Him, our will, and our lives. May you find your rest in Jesus today and always, for He is the one who makes these two promises to each of us. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And in John sixteen thirty three, Jesus says, I've told you these things. All his teachings, all the way he lived, everything that he came to do. So that you may have peace. Boy, right now we need peace more than anything. And then he goes on to say, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart or be encouraged. I have overcome this world. God bless you. Pastor Jamie.
2: Thank you, Pastor Brian. Good word. And uh, important for us all to remember um, that God is in control. God is sovereign. And uh, he is worthy of that title. So as I was um, going about my week, uh, I, I am uh, in the ma- on a management team at an organization that uh, helps people who are battling with addiction, who are um, struggling with homelessness, uh, are, are working on their recovery, and, and the list goes on. It's a, a human service organization. And, you know, we had to make some difficult decisions as to what we were going to keep open and what we weren't. Uh, we have the t- Department of Public Health telling us to do certain things, and we have to be obedient to them as they're one of our uh, major funders. And then we also have the city um, telling us to do and, and conduct our, ourselves in a certain way. And so, obviously, it, it, it creates some, some challenges, and I'm sure many of you watching can totally relate to what I'm saying. But as I uh, dealt with that during the day, when I was trying to wind down at night, you know, scrolling through Facebook and social media and sort of seeing where everybody was at, um, I saw a lot of ugliness, and, and it bothered me, it hurt me um, and, you know, maybe I should probably just jump off of Facebook sometimes, and I'd probably be better off. But, you know, one of the things that, that, um, that it reminded me of was is, is how to conduct ourselves in a time of uncertainty, and not just in a time of uncertainty, but always, but especially when things are uncertain, when, when there's a possibility of a crisis or a tragedy or or sickness, as we're, we're looking at right now. And there's a verse in, in the book of 1 Peter, uh, chapter 2, verse 17, actually, and it says, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. And so I'm going to speak briefly on this, on this verse specifically today. And hopefully, um, in, in, this, in this short devotion, there's something here for you. And, and I know there will be, because the word of God does not come back void. I've backed this up with a lot of scripture, because... Um, God's Word is much more important than my opinion. Amen? So first, let's look at honoring people. All people, it says. Not some, not most, not many, but all people. Luke 6.31, as, as we know it, is the, is the um, golden rule. Even secular society has adopted this verse as something of worth and importance. And it says, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And this is a really hard one for us even in the church. And I think that's sort of saddening if you think about it, because we are called, and as I'll get to, to love God and to love others. It's extremely important that we do that. You know, we tend to honor people who are more like us, who, who think like us, but we struggle with people who have maybe differing views or beliefs or lifestyles. And that's not even outside of the church. I think inside of the church, as you know, some churches are meeting uh, still today in their sanctuaries and some of us have decided to go online and I'm sure that's a very difficult decision. I know it's a difficult decision for all pastors and leadership teams because we had to go through that this week. Pastor Brian was pretty sick over the last couple of weeks uh, and thankfully, I'm okay now. <laughs> thankfully he's here and, and um, I've been Lysoling him and myself all morning. But the point is is that you know what is the right thing to do? And I guess what we each have to do is is sort of um, pray, listen to God, and then obviously do what we think is right and best for our congregations according to the dynamics of that population. And so we've decided obviously to take this route. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Jesus talks about laying his life down for his friends, and greater love has no man than this. And I think what we need to understand is, is that God has told us and taught us, especially as shepherds, as pastors, that it's our duty to protect the flock. And so what we decided the best course of action was, was to take this very, uh, this very step. And getting in how that relates to, sort of, um, to what I'm saying about honoring all people, is, is first we want to honor them and their health. We want to make sure that we don't put anybody at jeopardy. We want to make sure that uh, people know that their best interests and their well-being are of, our, are of the utmost importance to us. And I think if we make those decisions and someone might disagree, I think we need to go back to this and understand that um, we're called to honor each other, whether we agree or disagree. And I, I think that um, in times like this, as pastors alluded to and said clearly, We have a really great opportunity to be the church. It says it behind me on the screen. You know, we talk about this all the time when there's no nothing um, of, of a threat, no threat on the horizon. But when we actually have the opportunity, what are we doing with it? What are we doing with that? Being the church means loving God and loving others and displaying godly character in public, in private social media, or wherever that may be. We need to honor one another. We need to remember God's command to do that. So remember that how we treat others says a lot about who we really are. It exposes the heart of a man and our motives. And so I would encourage you today that if you've been struggling with this recently, it's okay. But you can make a difference now. You can change now, going forward, and decide that I'm going to be better. I'm going to be kinder, I'm going to be more gracious, and I'm going to let the world see what the church should look like, and I'm going to let the world see how the church should, be, should treat them and others. Secondly, love the brotherhood. And this is a big one, according to Jesus himself, and as I said, in Matthew chapter 20, 22, verses 36-40, through 40, a scribe comes to Jesus and he says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Not much has changed. Not from 2,000 years ago and not from thousands of years before that was first penned in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5. In the Torah, it says the same thing, and that's what Jesus referred to. You know, what Jesus was saying is, is that when we love God above all things, and we place our highest, Him as the highest value in our lives, and then we can begin to love others as, they, as we should, then everything else is going to fall into place. We're going to honor all people. We're going to love the brotherhood. Our fear for God will be healthy. And then how we honor our leadership, our government, the king, as it's put here in Scripture will change. John thirteen thirty five. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And what Jesus is saying is he's upping the ante even a little bit more from his prior statement as he says, love your neighbor as yourself. I think he really wanted to display the selfless love that he was showing his disciples or would show his people when he went to the cross and when he would give his life up for them. And I think what we need to understand is, is that this is call, there's a call to be selfless in this loving your neighbor. There's a call to be selfless in loving the brotherhood. And so that means, as, I, as we go back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, as I said, is regarding one another more important than yourselves. Laying your life down, as Jesus puts it. And I think if we don't understand or grasp this, then we can never be the church or fully be the church that God has called us to be. Again, in times like this when there's a lot of unsurity and uncertainty, when people are starting to get sick and it's starting to hit our area, people are running around frantically looking for things and they're trying to hold on to, as we joked about the toilet paper, but something as simple and tangible as that can bring some sort of security in the moment. We can offer so much more. We can knock on our neighbor's door. We can, we can send out a call or a message and we can let people know we're here for them. We can check on the elderly neighbors and our elderly family and friends and we can make sure that they have everything they need, that we're praying for them, that we're supporting them and also people with mental health struggles, people who have a problem with being alone for extended periods of time, people who could just use a phone call or a text message, people who need to know that the church is there, that their friends and their families are thinking about them and caring about them. I think that these opportunities are the ones that we can utilize as we're using technology today here to get this message to you. I think we, as a church, as a people, can utilize the same type of technology, especially when we need to be separated with some sort of physical distance at this time. So I could go on and on about this point. There's quite a bit written about it in Scripture. But it doesn't really matter how how many times we hear it if we don't get it. You know, the point is is that we need to demonstrate love towards one another. And I'm not seeing enough of that, church. And I'm pleading with you, and I'm begging with you, and I'm asking you. Start loving each other better. Start showing each other the respect and the grace that we need and deserve. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 explains it pretty clearly, that we're supposed to extend the same grace that's been extended to us. Let's not let our pride get in front of our prudence. Let's not get careless or, or callous in, a, in such a time of vulnerability. Fear God is my next point. Pastor Brian read Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, where it says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of understanding of a God. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Until we come to an understanding, a reverent understanding of the power and the person of God, it's totally impossible for us to even begin to know Him, or even ourselves. We tend to fear things that can only affect us temporarily. Even if something of this world can kill our earthly bodies, that's the most it can do. But when we have an eternal perspective, when we begin to understand eternity and look at Christ as that doorway, then things begin to change. Yes, we are called to be prudent and cautious and careful. We don't stand in front of a speeding car. We leave a a burning building. Those things are obvious. But we also don't need to fear these things above God because we know when this life ends that in Christ there is an eternity with Him. There's no second death. Matthew 10, 28 says, Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and the body in hell. That's where our fear should be placed. A reverent fear, as I said. It's understanding who God is and that he's greater than any virus, than any pandemic, than any terrorist attack or, or war. He's greater than all of it, and we need to understand that. And our healthy fear should be placed in Him. And so, how we honor people and love the brotherhood has everything to do with that. And and that's exactly what this verse is saying. That these things all coincide, sort of. One can't exist without the other. Pastor Brian and I were laughing that we 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 feel sometimes that we might share a brain because some of the scriptures and and the quotes and the things that we say and do in certain times or even from the pulpit. I'd said to him that you know one of the verses that I, that I was thinking about all the way here was Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13. But he used it and I had no idea he was going to do that. But in the end all that matters after everything that Solomon had gone through and thought through and all the excess in his life that was beyond our own imagination, he came down to this one simple fact. Fear God and obey his commands. That's the duty of all men, And if we do that, then life changes, perspective changes. Oswald Chambers says the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. So honor the king is my last point. Obviously, we don't live under a dictatorship or in a patriarchal society. But we still have governmental leadership that we're called to submit to. And I know a lot of us have a hard time with that because we may not agree with or like what our our leaders have to say or how they conduct themselves, but that's a moot point because in Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore whoever resists excuse me therefore whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. So we have a job, we have a duty to be good citizens and to submit to the authority that God has appointed in this society that we live. And that may not be easy as I said, but it's necessary. We can't do one without the other. We can't be godly men and women if we're not honoring all of God's statutes and principles for our lives. And so that's our, our pleading with you, is, is that we understand as things may, may transpire and materialize with this virus, there may be quarantines and even isolations that are demanded. Do what's told. Do what's asked of you. Be a good citizen. Remember, there's, um, there's beauty sometimes in solstice, in solace, excuse me. There's beauty sometimes in sanctuary and being alone with God. So take advantage of this time. Spend more time with your your spouse or your kids or your family, your loved ones, the people that you might have to spend all this time with. You know, understand that this time may be a blessing and maybe God is using it for much greater things as I know he always always is according to Romans chapter 8 verse 28. He's working this out for good. He's going to use this and redeem this and do something really good. There will be tragedy. There always will be tragedy. That's never going to change because this life is temporary. This isn't heaven and we can't expect it to be. But while we're here, we can take advantage of the, the opportunities that God gives us through suffering, through challenges and trials to become the men and women that we are called to be. Romans thirteen seven says, Render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, and fear... To whom fear, honor to whom honor. What Paul is saying here is that it's really important for us to honor our government and our leadership. There's going to be th- things, as I said, that make you really unhappy or frustrate you. But how we honor the government and how we honor our leadership, and this isn't just today and in light of this pandemic, but going forward and always. The church should not be engaged in ugly political arguments. What we should be doing is praying for our leaders, praying for each other, and seeing how God is using this time through good or bad leadership to make us or to, to create in us opportunity to serve and be the church that he's called us to be. That's all I have for you this morning. What I want to do, though, is encourage everybody again with this verse. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Honor all people, Love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the King. We're praying for you all. We, we love you, church, and we love anyone who's tuned in. I, I know I speak for Pastor Brian and I when I say that. Um, people matter to us a quite, quite a bit, a great deal. And so the last thing we want to see is anyone sick. So we're sitting in this room with just a couple of other people, making sure we bring a message to you, but also praying for you and making sure that you know that if you need anything, you can call on us. We're here. God bless you.
0: And let, me, let me just say, uh, you know, to echo Pastor Jamie's point, you know, when, when difficulty strikes, when tragedy strikes, it doesn't matter our political affiliation, doesn't matter our economic status, doesn't matter you know, what we believe, what we don't believe. We have an opportunity to come together. Where there are needs, we're called to meet those needs. The Bible says if you pray for somebody... But you don't you know, feed them and clothe them. They're still going to be without food and clothing. So we have a t- an opportunity, again, to, to be the church. And so we're going to uh, transition now. Uh, Izzy's going to play another song for us. Um, and while he's doing that, you know, be prayerful. Uh, be mindful of others. And um, we, we have, we'll probably have a few minutes at the end. If you have any comments or questions, we can take a few minutes and try to do that. Give us kind of a sense of interaction and being together. And if not, after, uh, after a few minutes, we'll close. But thank you for joining us. And we'll you know, keep, keep you in the loop as far as next week. And you know, I think as the coming days and weeks progress, we'll all get a better sense of where we are. So we love you. Thank you. God bless you.
1: Lord, I come, I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my. When I cannot stand, I'll fall on You. And Jesus, You're my hope and stay. Hey, Lord, I need You, Lord. I-
2: Father, we just thank you so much, God, for this opportunity through technology, God, and through this this medium to, to reach our people this morning to fellowship virtually. And God, we just thank you that you're present even in this. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for this church, South Coast Community Church, and the church of this community that is coming together, Lord, that is rising up when people are in need. And I pray that more of that happens. I pray, Father, that we remember that we're called to love others. We're called to love you and worship you through that action. So God, help us to understand that better. Lord, as we spend time with our families, as we stay home together, Lord, help us not to detach ourselves with electronics and the technology that we're talking about here today. Help us to put our phones down, step away from our computers and screens, and Father to to really embrace each other and to remember that we're we're here for but a moment, a vapor. That the family that you've placed around us, the people, God, they're a blessing, that these relationships are super important. Help us to hug more, help us to be more encouraging, more tolerant, Lord, and just radically loving God. So, Father, we thank you. Let us see the blessing in this. Help us, Father, to be the church. And, Lord, let the community see who Jesus' people really are. Father, people who are willing to go out of their way so that they can experience and see the love of Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.